0: splendor of the King Clothed in majesty Let all the earth rejoice All the earth rejoice He wraps himself in light And darkness tries to hide And trembles at his voice trembles at his voice How great is our God Sing with me How great is our God All will see how great How great is our God And age to age he stands in his hands, beginning and the end, beginning and the end, the Godhead three in one, Father, Spirit, Son, the Lion and the Lamb, the Lion and the Lamb. Oh, we'll see how great, how great is our God our God, sing with me, how great is our God, all oh, will sing, how great, how great is our God. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider, oh, works thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the mighty thunder, thy path throughout the universe display, then sings my soul, my Saviour God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. When through the woods and forest glades I wander and hear the birds. Sing sweetly in the trees When I look down From lofty mountain grandeur And hear the brook And feel the gentle breeze Then sings my soul My Saviour God to thee How great thou art How great thou art God to Thee, how great Thou art, how great Thou art, and when I think that God His Son are sparing, send Him to die, I scarce can take it in, that on the cross, my burden gladly bearing he bled and died to take away my sin then sings my soul my savior god to thee how great thou art how great thou art then sings my soul my savior god to thee How great thou art, how great thou art When Christ shall come with shouts of acclamation And take me home what joy shall fill my heart And then I bow in humble adoration And they proclaim, My God, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art. How great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art. How great and how great is our god sing with me how great is our god all we see how great how great is our god You surround me with a song Of deliverance from my enemies Till all my fears are gone I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God From my mother's womb You have chosen me Love has called my name. I've been born again into your family. Your blood flows through my veins. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God You split the sea so I could walk right through it My fears were drowned in perfect love You rescued me so I could stand and sing child of God. You split the sea so I could walk right through it. My feet were drowned in perfect love. You rescued me so I could stand and sing. I am a child of God. You split the sea so I could walk right through it My fears are drowned in perfect love You rescued me so I could stand and sing I am a child of God I am a child of God
1: well, thanks so much for uh, allowing me to have some time off. Uh, it was great to be able to, uh, you know, clear my, my mind and, and just be refreshed and, and do some projects around the home, go and do some day trips here and there and visit a few things. We got up to the snow and had some fun there and a few different things. So it was, it was just a really nice restful time. Uh, not quite the same as when you can actually leave and go somewhere else for a holiday. That would have been even better um, but it was still enjoyable. I completed my pizza oven, so that was a good thing too. Um, I want to let you know about something that's really exciting. That's that's happening from this week. Um, Thursday mornings at 10:30 a.m., we are going to have some fellowship. And so this is coffee and a chat. 10:30 outside in groups, no more than 10, uh, for some fellowship to to build community once again. Uh, this is permitted under the gathering, uh, outdoor gatherings. Uh, so if you want to be a part of that, I would really encourage you to do so, um, to come here to the church um, 10.30 Thursday mornings. Um, we will get you to record your name and, and, and phone number uh, for contact tracing requirements. And we will uh, be practising uh, all the requirements that, that we, are, we, we must. But I just want to encourage you, that if you want to come um, for a, a time of fellowship, then, then, then you're welcome to. Uh, it's really important that we do um, not for, for, you know, forget about meeting together. We are a family. We are a vibrant family. And, and it's been now 28 weeks since we were able to gather together as church, as a church family. That is a long time. And so hopefully this can be a little bit of a spark of joy and that there can be that little bit of human interaction. And so we're there, Thursdays, 10.30 a.m. We also want to thank you for the giving that continues to come through. We appreciate that. And uh, we uh, are going to be working um, very shortly Um, on putting together all the plans for our new playground and and working on that. If you'd like to be involved in that project, in any of the arranging or organising or anything like that, um, I'd love to hear from you if you've got some some spare time and and want to to volunteer um, to uh, maybe look at spearheading or at least arranging some of those details, then please be in contact with me. And uh, apart from that, we have uh, communion this morning. And so we have this uh, video which I'd like to to share with us today, which will lead us in that time. And uh, may it be a blessing to us all as we remember the sacrifice of the son. And so have your elements ready with you. And at the end of this video, take those elements in your time uh, through the next song. Take the elements, let's sing.
0: I cast my mind to Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Saviour on the cursed tree. His body bound and drenched with tears They laid him down in Joseph's tomb The entrance sealed by heavy stone Messiah still and all alone Oh, praise the name of the Lord For endless days We will sing Your praise O Lord O Lord Our God Then on the third At break of dawn The Son of Heaven Rose again O trample death Where is your sting? The Hosanna in the King. Oh, praise the Lord.
1: Know if you, like I, have recently taken time to reflect on life, to to reflect on our society and what's happening right now across our state and across our nation, to observe the changes in mood and the change that is happening to the very fabric of our state and nation right now. Borders are being closed, movement being restricted, fines for non-compliance and even jail, like in WA, for breaches, freedoms which we have for so long taken for granted being taken from us and campaigns being launched by bureaucrats to dob people in when they haven't followed their rules and, and what they have decreed is the wrong thing. Governments and media spreading fear and dogma, dividing a once fairly unified nation. There's always been some state rivalry. Of course there has been. But now that exists with with hard borders and restrictions and, and people in other states very happy to keep their borders closed to everyone else. Politics now seems to be looming so large, with the divide between left and right seeming to grow stronger. You're either blindly for Dan Andrews or a conspiracy theorist. And if you've got concerns about this latest omnibus bill and the overreach and power it will bestow uh, on whoever the government deems as authorised officers, then you just... You don't want to save lives and protect the vulnerable, if you question the bill. Daniel Andrews wants us to blindly trust that they will not misuse these powers. Well, history would teach us to be cautious and concerned with that one, at least. You know, businesses are closing. The economy is shrinking. Government debt is ballooning. Household debt is increasing so many people's livelihoods are under threat and uncertain stress and pressure is mounting suicides are so sadly taking hundreds if not thousands of more lives than this virus the world that i grew up in seems to have disappeared in the space of the last 28 weeks no longer do we feel that great sense of community the backbone that has held our country strong and together through good times and bad because we can't meet as community. The last two weeks, it's been good to meet some people face to face again, but, but it just does not feel right. It doesn't feel normal. In fact, I broke regulations and shook hands with someone last week, and I'll tell you what, that was the best handshake that I've had in a very long time. You're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to give a handshake or a hug. Things that are so important to strengthening the bonds of healthy healthy relationships. And what has replaced what we once had? A more selfish world, a more militant world, a more divided world, a fearful world. And so we ask in these times, where is God in all of this chaos? Where is God through all the pain and turmoil? Where is God while we struggle without our freedoms? Like being able to meet face together, face to face together as a church. You know, something many of us have done weekly for our whole lives. You know, church at home is great, but it's just not the same. Yeah, it's way better than nothing, but it just doesn't quite cut it, does it? Where is God's grace in a selfish world? This reflection took me to the book of Judges. A strange place to land, I know, but I believe God has given us his scriptures to help shape and guide our thinking, to give us comfort and encouragement And and that's all of it, all of Scripture, not just some bits, all of it. And so I began reading Judges and, you know, as I was reading and and seeing the downward spiral that the nation of Israel was undertaking and feeling awfully familiar with that experience, I feel it is a book for now. Feeling akin with the, the Israelites, living in an increasingly selfish and godless world, And I began looking for the glimpses of hope and what we can draw from our lives, for our lives, from the book of Judges, and and what can can bring us hope through God's grace in our selfish world. So buckle up with us for the coming weeks ahead as we begin our series, The Book of of Judges, God's Grace in a Selfish World. Judges, as as a book, it follows straight on from the book of Joshua, following the Exodus. It tells what should have been the story of, of the Israelites clearing the peoples from the promised land, settling the area and establishing the nation of Israel, God's own people. It should have been a story of triumph and faithfulness, but instead is a book of failure and faithlessness, but scattered through the book are flawed people who God uses to bring glimmers of hope by his grace. So to help us out with a bit of an overview, uh, let's look at a summary that the team from Read Scripture have put together.
2: The book of Judges. So remember after Joshua led the tribes of Israel into the promised land, he called them to be faithful to their covenant with God by obeying the commands of the Torah. And if they do this, they will show all the other nations what God is like. So Judges begins with the death of Joshua and basically tells the story of Israel's total failure. The book's name comes from the type of leaders Israel had in this period. Before they had any kings, the tribes were all governed by these judges. Now, don't think of a courtroom. These were regional political military leaders, more like a tribal chieftain. And you need to be warned, the book of Judges is very disturbing and violent. It tells the tragic tale of Israel's moral corruption, of its bad leadership, and basically how they become no different than the Canaanites. But this sad story is also meant to generate hope for the future. And you can see this in how the book's designed. There's a large introduction that sets the stage for Israel's failure as they don't drive out the remaining Canaanites. Then the large main section of the book has stories about the growing corruption of Israel's judges. And the progression here shows how Israel's leaders go from pretty good to okay to bad to worse. The concluding section is really disturbing and shows the corruption of the people of Israel as a whole. So let's dive in and we can explore each part a bit more. The opening section begins with the tribes of Israel in their territories in the Promised Land. And while Joshua defeated some key Canaanite towns, there was still a lot of land to be taken and lots of Canaanites living in those areas. And so chapter 1 gives a long list of Canaanite groups and towns that Israel just failed to drive out from the land. Now remember, the whole point of driving out the Canaanites was to avoid their moral corruption and their way of worshipping the gods through child sacrifice. God had called Israel to be a holy people and that does not happen. Chapter 2 describes how Israel just moved in alongside the Canaanites and adopted all their cultural and religious practices. And it's right here that the story stops. For nearly a whole chapter, the narrator gives us an overview of everything that's about to happen in the body of the book. This part of Israel's history, the narrator says, was a series of cycles moving in a downward spiral. So Israel became like the Canaanites and so they would sin against God. So God would allow them to be conquered and oppressed by the Canaanites and eventually the Israelites would see the error of their ways and repent. So God would raise up a deliverer, a judge from among Israel who would defeat the enemy and bring about an era of peace. But eventually Israel would sin again and it would all start over. This cycle provides the literary design and flow for the next main section of the book. It gets repeated for each of the six main judges whose stories are told here. Now the stories of the first three judges, Othniel, Ehud, and Deborah, they are epic adventures. They're also extremely bloody stories. Either the judge themselves or people who help the judge, they defeat their enemies and deliver the people of Israel. The stories about the next three judges are longer, and they focus in on the character flaws of the judges, which get increasingly worse. So Gideon, he begins pretty well. He's a coward of a man, but he eventually comes to trust that God can save Israel through him. And so he defeats a huge army of Midianites with only 300 men carrying torches and clay pots. But Gideon has a nasty temper, and he murders a bunch of fellow Israelites for not helping him in his battle. And then it all goes downhill from there. He makes an idol from the gold that he won in his battles. And then after he dies, all Israel worships the idol as a god, and the cycle begins again. The next main judge is Jephthah, who's something of a mafia thug living up in the hills. And when things get really bad for Israel, the elders come to him begging for his help and Jephthah was a very effective leader he won lots of battles against the Ammonites but he was so unfamiliar with the God of Israel he treats him like a Canaanite God he vows to sacrifice his daughter if he wins the battle this tragic story it shows just how far Israel has fallen they no longer know the character of their own God which leads to murder and to false worship The last judge, Samson, is by far the worst. His life began full of promise, but he has no regard for the God of Israel. He was promiscuous, violent, and arrogant. He did win, brutally, strategic victories over the Philistines, but only at the expense of his own integrity, and his life ends in a violent rush of mass murder. Now, a quick note here, you'll notice a repeated theme in the main section of the book that at key moments God's spirit will empower each of these judges to accomplish these great acts of deliverance. Now the fact that God uses these really screwed up people doesn't mean he endorses all or even any of their decisions. God is committed first and foremost to saving his people but all he has to work with is these corrupt leaders and so work with them he does. This whole section is designed to show just how bad things have gotten. You can't even tell the Israelites and the Canaanites apart anymore. And that's just the leaders. The final section shows Israel as a whole hitting bottom. There are two tragic stories here and they are not for the faint of heart. They're structured by this key line that gets repeated four times at the close of the book. In those days Israel had no king and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. The first story is about an Israelite named Micah who builds a private temple to an idol and that gets plundered by a private army sent from the tribe of Dan. So they come and they steal everything and then they go and burn down the peaceful city of Laish and murder all of its inhabitants. It's a horrifying story. When Israel forgets its God, might makes right. The final story of the book is even worse. It's a shocking tale of sexual abuse and violence which all leads to Israel's first civil war. It's very disturbing. And that's the point. These stories are meant to serve as a warning. Israel's descent into self-destruction is the result of turning away from the God who loves them and saved them out of slavery in Egypt. And now Israel needs to be delivered again from themselves. The only glimmer of hope in this story is found in this repeated line in the last part of the book. It actually forms the last sentence of the story. Israel has no king. And so the stage is set for the following books to tell the origins of King David's family, the book of Ruth, and also the origins of kingship itself in Israel, the book of 1 Samuel. But the story of Judges has value as a tragedy. It's a sobering explanation of the human condition and ultimately it points out the need for God's grace to send a king who will rescue his people. And that's the book of Judges.
1: So as we continue in this book of Judges throughout this series, make sure that you have your Bibles with you and follow along. Uh, I'll be predominantly reading from the ESV version. It's not that much different from anybody else, from any of the other translations, but I really encourage you as you're watching church to sit there with your Bible open and look and follow along with me as I'm preaching through these scriptures. Uh, So Judges chapter 1. It begins with success and triumph and, and quickly we see failure. Judges chapter one, and I'm going to kick it off at verse twenty-seven, if you'd like to follow along with me. Manasseh Diah did not drive out the inhabitants of Bethshean and its villages, or Tanakh and its villages, or the inhabitants of Dor and its villages or the inhabitants of Ibliam and its villages, or the inhabitants of Megiddo and its villages, for the Canaanites persisted in dwelling in that land. When Israel grew strong, they put the Canaanites to forced labour, but did not drive them out completely. And Ephraim did not drive out the Canaanites who lived in Giza, so the Canaanites lived in Giza among them. Zebulun did not drive out the inhabitants of Kitron, or the inhabitants of Nahalol. So the Canaanites lived among them, but became subject to forced labor. Asher did not drive out the inhabitants of Acho, or the inhabitants of Sidon, or of Arlab, or of Ahzib, or of Helbah, or Afik, or of Rehob. So the Asherites lived among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land, for they did not drive them out. Nathali did not drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh or the inhabitants of Beth Anath and so they lived among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land. Nevertheless, the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh and Beth Shemesh became subject to forced labour for them. The Amorites pressed the people of Dan back into the hill country for they did not allow them to come down to the plain. The Amorites persisted in dwelling in Mount Herez In Ajalon and in Shalbim, but the hand of the house of Joseph rested heavily on them, and they became subject to forced labor. And the border of the Amorites ran from the ascent of Akrabim from Salah and upward. So, what we have chronicled here for us is the failure of the people to drive out the inhabitants of the promised land. The angel of the Lord then speaks to the people and makes explicit that Israel's failure to drive out the Canaanites as God had instructed is the cause of his handing them over to the unwelcome changes of life, now having to be lived among their enemies who will become a snare to them. Then in chapter 2, Joshua dies. We're told that Joshua's generation was faithful and the people remained faithful during his life and the lives of the elders who outlived Joshua, who has seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. And then we come to Judges chapter 2, verse 10. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them, who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. Now here I want to point out the first failure. Joshua's generation saw and did amazing things for the Lord, but they failed to pass on the baton to the next generation. They failed to teach the next generation and failed to pass on the responsibility and expectation to the next generation to accomplish great things for God as they had once seen and done. they they, they had settled down. They'd got busy with the work that, that comes with settling, busy with the work of building homes, tending to flocks and pastures, providing for the family, Managing their slaves, defending their patch, setting up for retirement. All good and responsible things to do, but they'd forgotten God. They had neglected their responsibility to pass on to the next generation more than just physical wealth and prosperity. They had neglected to pass on spiritual wealth and prosperity. Judges chapter 2 verses 11 to 15. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals, that was the gods of the Canaanites. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed down to them. And they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtaroth. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he gave them over to plunderers who plundered them. And he sold them into the hand of their surrounding enemies so that they could no longer withstand their enemies. Whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them for harm as the Lord had warned and as the Lord had sworn to them, and they were in terrible distress. The people did evil, abandoned God, and replaced God's values and place in their lives with the values and gods of the society they lived in. They forgot God, they rejected him, and instead followed the way of the society in which they lived. Does this sound familiar? D- doesn't this sound a lot like the world that we live in? Doesn't this sound a lot like friends and, and even some family members that share this exact same experience today? Doesn't this sa- so sadly sound like some of the people who even profess to be Christians yet follow the values and and gods of this world, of this society that we live in, rather than those that God has expressed in his word and the person and work of Jesus. Doesn't it sound so familiar? And they were in terrible distress. Well, not, not surprising, yet... Such a sad statement. Doesn't this sum up so many people in our world in terrible distress? And sadly, many may not even know that that their true spiritual reality is this or may not know it but but, but choose to ignore it. That God is a gracious God. God. Because we're then told of these judges who, by God's grace, he would raise up to save his people. Judges chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. Whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge, and he saved them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who afflicted and oppressed them. But whenever the judge died, they turned back and were more corrupt than their fathers, going after other gods, serving them and bowing down to them. They did not drop any of their practices or their stubborn ways. And so we see the downward spiral begin. And this downward spiral, it begins with sin. The people forget and forsake God and instead follow the gods of culture. They do what they want as they see fit in their own eyes, selfishly and with no regard. If we look around at our world today, isn't this what we see? We see people who have forgotten God, if they ever knew him. They have forsaken God and they follow the gods of culture, the gods that are portrayed as important, are portrayed as worthy of our, our, our uh, following by our culture. A downward spiral begins with sin. And sin, it leads to suffering. God hands the people over to their enemies and they suffer greatly. You know, this reminds me of Romans chapter 1 turn with your Bibles to, to Romans chapter 1, and reading from verse 18. That's Romans chapter 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature Rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. This sounds just like our world. This is what is going on right now and has been for many, many years. Continuing verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For the women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature, nature and the men likewise. Verse 28. boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient of parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Is this not what our world is? Is this not the same as the selfish world which we see in Judges? There are great parallels between the culture that existed among Israel in the time of the Judges and that of our own, a culture that values self above anything else, a selfish world. You know, it's a, and, and in Romans, it's a fitting example of how sin leads to suffering, giving up what is good and honourable to instead live selfishly, to live with yourself as your God. But there's only so much suffering we can endure before we cry out. And suffering brings about supplication. You know, Judges tells the story of the people sinning, suffering, And then crying out to God for help, asking him to supply deliverance. And he does so by using flawed, sinful people who God uses for his glory and as instruments of his grace. And supplication, so by the act of God's grace, leads to salvation. These judges save the people from their suffering and bring peace to the land once more. Yet when the judge dies, the people return to sin once more and continue that downward spiral of disobedience and debauchery. The first example of this that we're given is that of Othniel. This starts in Judges chapter 3, verse 7. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord, their God, and served the Baals and the Asheroth. The people sin. They forget God and they serve the gods of their culture. Judges 3 verse 8. Therefore the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel and he sold them into the hand of Cushan rishathaim king of Mesopotamia. And the people of Israel served Cushan Rishathaim, eight years. The people suffer. Eight years they suffered under the king of Mesopotamia. Judges 3 verse 9. But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the people of Israel who saved them. Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. The people cry out, in an act of supplication, asking God to supply a deliverer, and God responds and supplies them a deliverer. Judges chapter 3, verse 10-11. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him, and he judged Israel. He went out to war, and the Lord gave Cushan rishathaim king of Mesopotamia, into his hand. And his hand prevailed over Cushan rishathaim and so the land had rest for 40 years. Then Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. So the spirit of the Lord it comes upon Othniel, and he leads a war against their oppressors. He wins, and so brings peace to the land for the next 40 years of his life, bringing the people salvation from their sin and suffering. This is the first cycle of their spiral and a very clear example following the pattern that the writer of Judges has just explained. Next week, we're going to see the next step they take down, the spiral. But but this brief account of Othniel serves its purpose of showing us the pattern clearly and displaying to us that God's gracious hand is never far away. No matter how selfish we or, or our world may be, God's grace is near. No matter how difficult our life might be, in the circumstances we find ourselves in, there is hope because God's grace is only a cry for help away but this may also serve as a warning to us. When we become self-reliant, it is easy to forget the Lord. And when we permit evil in our hearts to develop within us, it is easy to forsake the Lord. And so no wonder we sometimes find ourselves in distress and crying out to the Lord. And when we cry out, God hears us, he raises up deliverance, he restores us to peace and our right response is to be thankful. And the warning is this, don't forget God. Don't walk in self-reliance but abide in Christ and rely on him and his strength to sustain us. We are not alone, so don't go it alone. Don't forget God in the crazy times and in this crazy world that we live right now. See, when we forget God, we put ourselves in his place and we become selfish and self-centered. And when we do that, as Romans reminded us, he lets us. But God never leaves or forsakes us. You know, there's that, that, that saying that I'm sure you've heard many times, that if we're feeling distance from God, it's not God that's moved. And so with all that is distracting us, taking our attention, remember God and His grace. Remember the deliverance that He has brought for each one of us through His Son and walk with the empowering Holy Spirit so that we can navigate this selfish world by the grace of God and bring hope with us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we stand in awe at the work that you have done. For generations and generations, your grace has been expressed by your love for us. And Lord, we look at this example and this cycle that we see in in judges of sin that leads to suffering, that causes supplication, and that then, Lord, you send salvation. Lord, that is the cycle that we all have experienced. And so, Lord, we ask that you would forgive us our sin and help us never to forget you, but to remember you and to rely upon you. Lord, we have all sinned, we've all suffered. For those of us that have cried out in repentance, Lord, you have supplied us salvation through the work of your Son. And for that, we are eternally grateful and thankful. And so, Lord, as we continue this series in Judges, may you help us to see your grace at work and how we can can live in your grace in a selfish world. And so, Lord, I just thank you for your scriptures which are so alive and active and able to teach and train us for righteousness. So may we walk with you, abide in you, and remember the salvation that you've brought and walk in thankfulness. We pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.
0: Who am I that the highest King would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me Oh, his love for me. Oh, His love for me, who the Son sets free, always free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am free at last. He has ransomed me. His grace runs deep. While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me Yes, He died for me Through the Son sets free, always free indeed I'm a child of God Yes, I am In my Father's house. There's a place for me I'm a child of God Yes, I am I am chosen, not forsaken I am who you say I am You are for me, not against me I am who you say I am I am chosen, not forsaken i am who you say i am you are for me not against me i am who you say i am oh i am who you say i am who the sun sets free who is free indeed i'm a child of god Yes, I am. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. Who the Son says free, always free indeed. I'm a child of God, yes I am. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God, yes I am. Oh, my child, oh God, yes, I am.
1: Well, thank you for joining with us for church. This series in Judges, I'm sure, is going to be one that is really a great encouragement to so many of us. And I'm really looking forward to unpacking these, these graphic stories. But stories which demonstrate so much to us about God and His character and how we can overcome the the challenges that face us in a selfish world. And so I just uh, asked you to bear with us through some of the graphic moments, um, but to to really be encouraged and to see that these stories in Judges are not there just to gross us out. Next week will be a prime example if you've got a stomach then um, you know you might want to have the, the skip button ready. But but these stories have been written to demonstrate that God is faithful. But it's also been written to demonstrate that we need a Saviour. You know this demonstrated that the people of Israel that they need a King. That King ultimately is King Jesus. The same King that we And so when we remove King Jesus from his throne in our lives and do it our own way, we're walking in sin. And so may I encourage you to keep King Jesus on the throne of your heart and of your mind, of your life and everything you do. And may you be encouraged by his love and grace on display for you and the hope we have in him. So with that in mind, why don't we have a wonderful week ahead? I'm really looking forward to these Thursday gatherings and so a bit of fellowship and
3: uh,
1: yeah, if it rains, we'll, we'll probably have to maybe, maybe move into several places inside different rooms. But Thursdays outside gatherings, 10 people in uh per, per, per gathering per space um uh, if you want to be part of a church that can fellowship and have that human interaction and contact and and just those face-to-face conversations i encourage you to come along we'll be doing uh, abiding by all the um the practices where we're supposed to be and uh, we'll be recording names of those that do attend for tracing purposes and everything else but i'm really looking forward to having some fellowship again and so uh, let's, let's do what we can with what's allowed to remain a community uh, and to help overcome some of this uh, isolation and feeling alone. So may I just say blessings to you all.